Thank you, Cliff. That was awesome. Tastes like chicken and angel food cake. That's wonderful. This month, we're in a worship series on the Lord's Prayer. And today, we're focusing on the part of the Lord's Prayer that says, Give us this day our daily bread. I'm going to read for us part of Exodus 16. You just heard the story, but I want to read it again. This is a rich text in which I think when Jesus is praying this prayer and inviting us to pray this prayer of give us this day our daily bread, he must have in mind this story. So listen to Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 26. This is God's word. Listen to it. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, And Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them, whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each of you needs, and omer to a person according to the number of persons, all providing for those in their own tents. The Israelites did so, some gathering more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, those who gathered much had nothing over, and those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much as each of them needed. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning, they gathered it as much as each needed. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much food, two omers apiece. 
When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. And all that is left over, put it aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not become foul. There were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. Friends, this is the gift of God's word. Let's pray together. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Years ago when I was living in Seattle with some friends, one of my roommates and I decided to get season tickets to the Major League Soccer team in Seattle called the Seattle Sounders. And we thought this would be a fun activity for the two of us to do together, and we had a great time. And one of the interesting things about getting season tickets to a sporting event is that you begin to get to know the people that are sitting around you. Uh, much like when you come to church every week, you start to know who the people are in the pews around you, or today the chairs around you. You know the people that are in the chairs around you. And I can recall there was a, a family that sat behind us. There was a family of four, parents and two children to the left of us, and a family of three, and then there was a, a father and two children that sat in front of us, two girls. And that was nice because they were a little bit shorter, so you could see the field really well. But a few more rows in front of them, there was this young guy, probably in his 20s. He had really curly hair, long curly hair, and he was very short, but he wore bright orange soccer shorts to every soccer game and was yelling and screaming and jumping up and down. Uh, you couldn't miss him if you were part of that section. He was, he was the one that stood out. One game, he was not there, and then there's another game that he wasn't there, and everybody wondered, where was he? Why was he not at these games? And by the third game, when he wasn't there, people had done some research and found out that he got into a really serious bicycling accident. He bicycled every morning in Seattle on his commute to work. And in the main part of Seattle, there's kind of a, a highway, kind of like El Camino Real, but instead they don't have as many streetlights. They just have stop signs on the sides. And he was bicycling in the morning, and it was rainy that morning, and he was going, and somebody missed the stop sign and just drove through it, and he collided with the passenger side door and went through the passenger side window. He had to have major facial reconstructive surgery. He had serious concussions to his brain. It was a deeply traumatic cycling accident. It was interesting, the response to that reality for him too, we found out that he was an elementary school teacher. And so though he had pretty good insurance, he racked up almost $30,000 of medical bills as a result of his time in the hospital. And somebody, I think it was one of those parents that sat next to us, decided to start a GoFundMe account for him just to see if they could help supplement the cost, maybe a couple hundred bucks. They had no idea. And by word of mouth, they just shared this with people in our section that they would do this GoFundMe account to try to help pay his medical bills. And in two weeks, they fundraised $30,000. It was incredible. I could not believe that 
just by word of mouth, they'd fundraised $30,000 to help this first grade teacher who got in this bad bicycling accident pay some of his bills. I always wondered what it was like for him when he received that news, that his bills were paid, that he'd been taken care of by the generosity of these wonderful people. Perhaps he must have thought this was like provision from on high. I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but maybe when he prayed that prayer, give us this day our daily bread, he received his daily bread in that moment. He received generosity that came from other people, and it must have felt like it was a supernatural gift. This is not common. And yet there is something about humans that we respond to times of trauma and disaster with generosity, don't we? This week, I think when we looked around and we saw what was going on with the hurricane in Florida and the southeast, our hearts are moved by empathy to to take care of them, even though they're so far away. But we can imagine what it would look like to lose a house, to have a house destroyed. And we're moved to be generous, to want to, to care for those people the way that we may have been and lost something like them if we were in their situation. Perhaps that's because we're made in the image of God. And who God is is a God is generous and wants to care for people in their times of trauma and their times of disaster, frankly. Give us this day our daily bread. In the story in Exodus chapter 16, I wrestled with wanting to interpret it all for you because I feel like Cliff did a great job of explaining the story for us. But again, these, these people of God are in the midst of disaster. They're in the midst of trauma. Um, They were in generations of trauma, of being the people that were enslaved in Egypt. And they were finally set free from that reality, and they were on their way to the land that God had promised them, when they find themselves only two and a half months into that journey without food. They have nothing else to eat, and they begin to grumble and complain and murmur against Moses and Aaron. But Moses and Aaron saying, you're murmuring not just against me, but against God and God's self that God did not bring you out here to die. God brought you out here to set you free from the oppression that you're experiencing in Egypt. And if God brought you free from that, set you free from Egypt, God is not going to leave you here to die as well. No, God brought you here to set you free from that reality. There's three parts of this story in the manna story that I want to highlight for us as we look at it and how it relates to this prayer for daily bread. In verse 10, when Aaron begins to speak to the congregation after he's received the word from God, he speaks to the whole congregation of the Israelites. And then it says, they turned and they looked into the wilderness. And when they looked into the wilderness, they saw the glory of the Lord appear to them. I think that's a really interesting verse Because if you imagine the prayer for daily bread in our lives, there's a piece of what it is when we pray to God that we have to actually look at the wilderness that's in front of us to ask for provision from God, right? They had to address the reality that there was a wilderness in front of them, that they did not have the resources adequate for the journey to get to the promised land, and they could not do it on their own. They had to all together as a community look to the wilderness And when they looked to the wilderness and what was in front of them, the glory of the Lord appeared to them when they looked into it. The second thing I want to notice for us, which Cliff already covered, is that when this fine flaky substance finally fell from the sky, 
And God promised to Moses and Aaron that he would rain bread down from heaven for them. The bread that came for them was not nice rolls of challah bread that we eat on communion Sundays. It was not the bread that you imagine when you see that word. It was something else. It was unknown. They'd never seen anything like it before. And he's right. It's the Hebrew word, manna, two words put together. And it literally means, what is it? What is it? The Israelites had no idea what it was that was on the ground in front of them, except that they had the interpretation of Moses and Aaron that said, this is the bread that God has given you to eat. So you can gather it up and you can eat this food. Every day they did this, six days a week. On the sixth day, they had enough for the seventh day. The manna from heaven, what is it? What is it? The third thing I want to notice for us is this idea of time. The idea of time. Perhaps this is a really simple thing to notice in this story, but I think it's helpful for us when we think about the idea of praying for daily bread in our lives. Yes, there's times where we're faced with disaster, times where we know there's a wilderness in front of us that we must address, that we must look at, and we know we have to go to God and say, God, do something about this because I cannot do anything about this thing. But in the midst of that, and when we receive provision from God, God wants to shape and form in us a daily reality of God's presence in our lives. That God is with us every single day. Not just in moments of disaster or trauma, but God provides on a daily basis. There's a way in which this story wants to draw our awareness to time. Both every day but then reflecting and thinking about that they did this activity for 40 years as a congregation of people, gathering this food. How monotonous. None of us are gathering food like this in the sanctuary on a daily basis, are we? But every day they gathered this food and they realized that whatever it was was provision from God. God was taking care of them on this journey. God was giving them what they needed God was being generous and providing for them this bread from heaven. God was giving them exactly what they needed for this long, long journey to the promised land. Give us this day our daily bread. I want to notice these three things that I noticed in the context of this prayer for us and what it means for us to pray this prayer of daily bread. But when I do so, I think sometimes we can come to some assumptions about praying for daily bread uh, that can sometimes leave those of us in our lives that we care for the most, that we love a lot, kind of on the margins of what it looks like to pray for daily bread. Let me explain this. Last week when I was preaching and sharing about my vision for youth ministry with the church and teenagers and what it looks like for them to have a faith journey beyond high school, I had in my heart in that moment while I was talking about it, I knew I was making some assumptions. And I was thinking about it afterwards and I knew I had some assumptions too, which is that teenagers in our context go to college. And not only do they go to college, but they usually graduate from college and go find a job and do something else after college context. But while I was talking about that and looking out at you all, I was reminded of a conversation I had with a parent a few months ago who had foster children, and this parent was telling me that in the context of foster children, only 40 to 50% of foster children go to college. 
but only 5 to 10% of foster children actually graduate from college. And I just found myself saying that out loud last week, thinking, for this person who hears me speaking right now, and we have to make assumptions sometimes when we speak to large groups of people, perhaps they felt very hurt by those words, knowing that within our own context there was people we love and we care about, that that's not a safe assumption to make for them, going to college or graduating from college. So when we begin to contextualize and to think about this prayer of daily bread, I think something similar can happen. Perhaps for those of us in this room, if we're able to have a flexible way of interpreting what bread is, because bread is a flexible interpretation in Exodus 16, this manna from heaven is not bread, but it's sustenance. It's the provision from God that they need. We too can also then go, well, there's other ways in which God provides for us than just food, right? But when we ask that question, sometimes we forget that there are one in six people in this world that live on less than a dollar a day. And you would have to imagine for those people living in extreme poverty that the prayer for daily bread is a very real prayer for them. Years ago, I came on a mission trip actually to San Francisco when I was doing ministry in Seattle. And we visited some nonprofit ministries here and we went to the San Francisco Food Bank. And the San Francisco Food Bank told us then that one in six children in San Francisco do not have adequate access to resources for healthy, good foods for them, for vegetables and fruits. They only have access to corner stores, and the corner stores only have junk food. One in six children in San Francisco. That's a lot of children living in our context and in our midst that for them, perhaps, the prayer for daily bread is a very real prayer for daily bread. Yet I do also believe, much like that story I told at the beginning, that sometimes the prayer for daily bread can include provision from God like that young man that had $30,000 of medical debt. And he was looking at a wilderness that he had no idea how to resolve that situation. So when he prayed for daily bread, he had in mind this serious debt that he had no idea what to do with, that only God could do something with that reality. But sometimes when we speak about that, about finances, I even find myself today wrestling as I was preparing for this sermon this week and to speak about God's provision in finances because especially on a weekend in which there's 30 or 40 women at a women's retreat, I'm reminded of the reality that women make 77 cents for every dollar that I make. And so when I speak about my provision from God in finances, am I also reinforcing that reality? I don't think so. I really don't think so. But perhaps that system is a system we have to look at as a wilderness, as when the whole congregation of the Israelites turned to the wilderness. Maybe that's a wilderness that we too need to look into to see the glory of the Lord revealed. Because part of this prayer for daily bread is a prayer for provision, both in the midst of disaster, but also in a daily sense of gathering together what we need. But then it should also form in us a reality of becoming more generous. More generous. More generous because God is profoundly generous for us. God has provided for us. God will provide for us when we turn in prayer to God. 
but it should also form in us a way of becoming more generous as well. In this week, there's all sorts of ways through this church congregation in which we can be profoundly generous. This week, we're receiving another offering for Second Harvest Food Bank. Just this morning, people gathered together to make sandwiches that they're going to hand out at Fair Oaks Community Center afterwards. Tomorrow night, we partner with Street Church, and we're going to make meals and hand out meals to homeless persons in Redwood City. There's a way that we are already living out our generosity, that we know that God has given us so much that we can give back. Give us this day our daily bread. Friends, wherever there's a wilderness in our life where we need provision from God, may we look towards God in that wilderness. When we do, I believe the glory of the Lord will be revealed to us and God will send what we need. It may not be what we expect. We may say, what is it? But it's what we need. The glory of the Lord will be made known to us in it. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we trust that you do provide for us. We trust that when we're faced with times of disaster, even in daily moments, God, when we need from you, when we have a wilderness in front of us, that we cannot comprehend on our own what the next steps might look like. God, that you would give us those steps, that you would give us what we need. And in the midst of that daily recognition of provision, God, would you form us to be more generous people, to be like you who gave so much for us. You gave your very self. You gave your very son. You gave your very Holy Spirit so that we could be in communion with you. Make us a more generous and loving people, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.